0: for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings, we provide online services, which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I invite you to take your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, as we begin a series on the seven churches of Asia Minor, the seven churches of Revelation. Today, we could title this, Oh, How I Loved Jesus. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labour. And thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars, and has borne and has patience. My namesake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. What we have here before us is the first of seven letters written to seven different churches that existed in Asia Minor in the first century. And these letters can be considered from three different perspectives. One, they can be viewed prophetically. Personally, I believe these churches represent different stages of the church over the last 2,000 years. The church at Ephesus represents, I believe, the time period between the day of Pentecost to around 100 AD. Now, this was the time of great expansion for the early church. It was also a time when some began to lose their zeal and their fervency. So therefore, it can be viewed prophetically. But secondly, it can also be viewed practically. These letters were sent to literal, real congregations and were actually functioning at the close of the first century. And while they were written to real churches existing in that day, they still speak to every church in existence today. And thirdly, I believe they can be viewed personally. These letters speak to congregations, but we should also be mindful that lo- the Lord has a word for the individual in these letters as well. He has something to say to you and he has something to say to me about our relationship with himself. And as Jesus begins to write to this church, he does so in glowing terms, commending them for their works, Their doctrinal purity, and it appears that this was a very busy congregation. They were active, they had many ministries, they were occupying their time. In verse two, Jesus uses three words to describe the business of this church. The word works refers to their accomplishments. This was a church that had been used of the Lord to do great things in the community. The word labor literally refers to a beating. It speaks of intense work involving toil and pain. The word patience reminds us that they carried out their works for the Lord in the midst of great persecution. The city around them hated them and hated the message they preached. This was a working church. Verses 2 and 3 and verse 6 also tell us that this church was doctrinally pure. They stood for the truth. They stood against evil. They publicly exposed false prophets. They were what we would call an old-fashioned fundamental church. They were not allowing the world to influence their worship or their walk. And anyone looking in from the outside would have concluded that they were a rock-solid congregation. Anyone attending their services would have been in awe of their work and their calendar of activities. While those around them were looking at them, someone far more important had his eye on this church. Bible says in verse one, the Lord Jesus Christ was walking in their midst, but they were unaware of his presence. While they had much that could be commended, there were problems in the church of Ephesus. Now the Lord knew what the people around them did not know. The Lord knew what the church itself did not know. The Lord knew that this church was going through the motions of serving him. He knew that they did not love him like they once did. If this church had been honest about their condition, their favorite hymn would have been, Oh, how I loved Jesus. I want to consider the Lord's letter to this ancient congregation. And in doing so, what he said to them is very relevant to us today, as it was in Ephesus. Many in our day are merely going through the motions. Many simply do not love Jesus Christ like they once did, and it shows. And I want to point out some simple facts that present themselves in this text. While we're speaking today, why don't we invite the Lord to speak to our hearts and ask ourselves a couple of questions. Do we love him with all of our heart, our mind, and our soul? And are you serving him because it is what you do, or do you serve him because you're consumed with love for the Lord Jesus? Now let's focus in on verses 4 and 5. For in verse 4, I would show you that the Lord's case against this church after commending them for their works, Jesus condemns them for their lack of love for Him. He tells them that there is a real problem in their hearts. He points out it's a personal problem. He says, I have somewhat against Thee. The Ephesians probably thought their biggest problems were the pagans around them and the persecution that they faced. But Jesus tells them that the biggest problem they faced was a personal problem with the Lord himself. This reminds us that the Lord cares about his people. If he did not have his eyes on them, he would have been unaware of their problem. In verse 1, we're told that he walks among them. In verse 2, he tells them, I know. I would submit to you that he knows us as well. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. No one in the church of Ephesus would have guessed that there was ever a problem between them and Jesus. But there was. Most of us would look at ourselves and think that we're fine, we're okay, we're all right. The problem with our way of gauging our own state of rightness is to compare ourselves with others. Of course, we never compare ourselves with anyone who lives holier than we do. We always compare ourselves with those who live less holy than we do, and God's standard of holiness is a bit higher than that. His standard of righteousness is Christ himself. You think our biggest problems are society and government. The truth is our biggest problem in the modern church is that, just like Ephesus, we have offended a holy God. He has a problem with us because we are not where he wants us to be spiritually, and it is a personal problem. It's also a passion problem. Jesus tells them exactly what they've done to offend him. He tells him, thou hast left thy first love. Jesus tells them that they just do not love him like they used to. Now, while all the words in that phrase scream for our attention, there are two that demand special notice. They are the words left and first. The word left is an expressive word that means to send away or to be sent away. It was used of a husband divorcing his wife. It also means to expire. It means to let alone, to omit, to forsake, to abandon, to leave one place to go to another or to disregard. Jesus is talking to a people who have walked away from their love for him. They have abandoned his love. They have forsaken his love. They have disregarded his love. And like a man divorcing an unwanted wife, they have symbolically sent God away. The word first means first in rank or importance. They still love their church. They still love their doctrines. They still love their activities. They still love their busy schedules. They still love all they do. They just do not love Jesus more than these things. We might think that falling out of love with Jesus is a minor thing. We might think that there's something that happens, that's something that happens to a lot of people and it's not, not really a big deal. We might think that it's something that we can get fixed up at the next revival meeting or the next service we decide to attend. Let me show you why I think falling out of love with Jesus is a serious issue. The Bible says in Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38, when we do not love Jesus as we should, we are in violation of the greatest commandment. Where the Bible says in Matthew chapter 22, concerning this great commandment, the Bible says in verse 37 and 38, Jesus said unto me, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. This opens us up to great sin when we're in violation of the greatest commandment. When we do not love Jesus as we should, we're in direct violation of this commandment that our Lord gave. And this opens us up to great sin. And when we do not love him as we should, we're more likely to break the first four commandments, which are, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any graven images. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou shalt remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. When we do not love Jesus as we should, we are more likely to violate the second commandment. When we're not in love with him, we will not love others like he wants us to. Love is a part of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 verse 22. Love for others is the work of God in our hearts, according to 1 John 4, 7 through 12. This makes it far more likely that we will break the last six commandments, which are, honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet. When we do not love Jesus as we should, we will not have a desire to be with him. We'll not have that honeymoon love always wanting to be with the object of your affection. That's how it is for a new believer. Over time, the love fades and the desire to be around Jesus and his people fades as well. What's the problem? It can all be traced back to a lost of first love. When we do not love Jesus as we should, we will not serve him as fervently as he wants us to. We may attend church, but we will not be faithful. We might say we're saved, but we will never share the faith with the lost. We might teach a class. We might preach a sermon. We might lead a prayer meeting, lead a Bible study, but there's always going to be something lacking, and that fervent, emotional, extravagant love for Christ will always manifest itself in active public service for him. There's much more that we could be said about this than the dangers of not loving Jesus as we should. Many of us have been in that place where we were consumed with love for him, and many of us have been in that place where the flame of passion became a dying ember. We know the difference, and we know what honors him the most. Verse 5, I'd show you the Lord's call to this church. Having addressed the problem, Jesus gives them a plan of action, and he tells them how to go about rekindling the flames of passion for him that once burned so brightly. He calls on them to remember. They're, they're commanded to remember from which thou art fallen. Now the Lord's command is for them to look back. They needed to remember a time when their love for him was powerful, when it was all-consuming, and the most important thing in their lives. They were to remember those early days of salvation, when the love of God for them was overwhelming. They were to remember how it felt to be saved and how it knew, how it felt to know that all their sins had been forgiven. They were to remember what it felt like to know that they were no longer dead in sin, but they've been made alive in Christ Jesus. And they were to remember the excitement that every new revelation from the Word of God brought to their hearts. I say to you, we need to remember, we need to remember that moment when sin rolled away and Jesus rolled in. We need to remember those early days of excitement and joy. We need to recapture the excitement of that that early love and we felt for Christ when He first saved us from our sin. Do you remember? Then he calls them not only to remember, but he calls them to repent. Once they remembered what he had done for them, they would see how far they had fallen. And when they remembered, they they would recognize their sin. And the word repent refers to a change of mind that leads to a change of action. And when they saw the depths of their sin, they were to turn from it and fall in love with Jesus again. The greatest need of the modern church is for us to fall in love with Jesus again. Before we can do this, we're going to have to recognize that our lack of love for him is a sin. We're going to have to understand that all the things that we've allowed to come between us and him, our idols, our fun, our family, our work, and even our church work can come between us and loving Christ. The modern church is not losing people because our programs aren't working. The modern church is not losing people because we don't keep them captivated enough. The modern church is losing people because we don't love Jesus Christ and we're not lifting him up. For he said, if you lift me up, I'll draw all men unto me. The modern church doesn't really need a revival. The modern church doesn't need more money. The modern church doesn't need more recognition in society, nor more presence in the community. The modern church simply needs to fall in love with the commander in chief, the captain of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we repent of our sin and turn back from our lack of love, he will fill us with his presence, his wonder, and his power. He also calls on them to repeat. He calls on them to do the first works. The word first is the same as the word first in verse 4. He speaks of that which is first in rank or importance. In other words, Jesus calls them to return to the things that are most important. What is most important when it comes to our relationship with Christ? Christ. The Lord's call here is for the Ephesian believers to return to the simple fundamentals of the faith. It is a call to return to the altars of prayer. It is a call to come back to the word of God. It is a call to return to a place of worship. It is a call to obedience to his will it's a call for the church to walk in holiness before the Lord and my friend Jesus Christ is still calling his church to return to these basic fundamental foundational activities if we don't do not seek him in prayer we do not feed on his word if we're not active in his worship if we do not walk in holiness and obedience then my friend we do not love Christ we do not do these things, we cannot expect him to bless us. If we do not do these things, we cannot expect him to move in power among us when we gather at his house. If we love, we will do these things. If we love him, we'll respond to our uh, our love by manifesting himself in our lives as individuals and in the life of our church. So do you want to see souls saved? Fall in love with Christ and let that love be seen. Do you want the power of God on this church? Fall in love with Christ and let him live through you every day. If we can recapture that fervent, emotional, extravagant first love for Christ, that's all we need. He would forever transform the child of God and the church of God. And our problem in the modern church, our problem in every church, is that we do not love Jesus like we used to. Thirdly, in verse 5, I would show you the Lord's challenge to his church. Because the Lord loves his church, he lets them know that their lack of love for him holds serious consequences down the road. If they stayed the course and refused to repent, they faced certain judgment. The Lord describes that judgment right here in this verse. Their challenge concerning abrupt judgment. The Lord says that he will come quickly. The word means without delay. The Lord is telling this church that when judgment comes, it's going to be swift. It's going to be sure. And we can be sure that the Lord will not tolerate deadness and a lack of love among his people for any extended period of time. Sin will be judged. Of that we can be sure. They're also challenged concerning appalling judgment. He tells them that he will remove thy candlestick out of his place. This means that they will cease to exist as a congregation. Jesus is telling the church at Ephesus that their lack of love is so serious that it threatens their very existence. And this prophecy was literally fulfilled in Ephesus from what I can study and read there's absolutely nothing there where that great city once stood but a pile of rubble. There's no Christian church there, the land is inhabited by muslim nomads. Oh, it may be well preserved archeologically. But there's not a Christian witness. There's no light of the gospel. And all of that is a result of a church that failed to stay in love with Christ. Look around today. Everyone you look at, everyone, every church, there's a little struggling churches with handful of aged believers. That's not the case everywhere. But many of those churches are in their present condition because somewhere a long time ago, they stopped loving Jesus with a passionate, all-consuming love. I'm not passing judgment. I'm lining things up next to the Word of God. And when they did, their worship became lifeless and dead. Their preaching lost its power and its effectiveness. Their young people moved away, and that church began to die. And regardless of what you may think, it can happen in any church. We're less than a generation away from this very thing happening right in every church. And I pray it won't, but I can see some of the signs already. And you can too if you'll just look. That's why the Lord led me to share this message with you. If anybody listening is, is going to repent and turn to Christ, if anyone is going to seek him, repent of not loving him, fall in love with Jesus again, it must happen their challenge concerning avoidable judgment. I don't want Jesus to take away our candlestick, but if he will, our light ceases to shine. The Ephesians are told that they can avoid their fate, that they will repent of their sin. Modern church is dying, and she's dying because she doesn't love Jesus like she used to. My friend, the only remedy is repentance and restoration. It is a serious thing when a church ceases to love Jesus, and that church might wander off into apostasy. A few do. Most likely, that church will simply fade away and cease to exist. I read a survey the other day, some time ago rather, at the Southern Baptist Convention we'll have 50% less members than it has right now by 2050, if something doesn't change. Now, why is that happening? And I'm not a Southern Baptist. I have Southern Baptist brothers. God bless them. God's never led me in the convention. Why is this happening? It's happening because many in our churches love their church they love their doctrines, they love their rituals, they love their traditions, but they have not loved Jesus like they used to. What about you? If you're honest today, can you sing, Oh, How I Loved Jesus? Or would you have to sing, Oh, How I Loved Jesus? If he's spoken to you, you need to listen to what he is saying. It's time for you and I to remember to to repent and then repeat. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org, and let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you, and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.